Hey friends, welcome to Boca, a podcast exploring the ever-blurring lines between the personal and business lives of professional photographers. This is your host, Nathan Holritz, and I'm happy that you can join me today in connecting with photographers and entrepreneurs as we discuss photography, business, and oh yeah, that sometimes messy thing that we call life. This podcast, it's brought to you by Photographer's Edit, custom image editing for the wedding and portrait photographer. Just visit photographersedit.com. All right, Boca Podcast listeners, thank you so much for joining us yet again for another episode. And today I'm joined by uh, who is becoming a new friend of mine, Rochelle Cheever. Rochelle, thank you so much for making time for the Boca Podcast. Thank you for having me. Oh, absolutely. And and by the way, I, and I know I already commented on this uh, to you via email. Your work is absolutely beautiful. And I'm going to go ahead and and share both your website and social media with our listeners to begin with. First of all, your website very simply is Rochelle Cheever. So it's spelled R-O-C-H-E-L-L-E-C-H-E-E-V, V as in Victor, E-R, RochelleCheever.com. And uh, and then your Instagram account is the same thing. And of course, we'll link to those in the, in the show notes, but uh, beautiful, beautiful work. And you have the wonderful privilege of being able to shoot in a variety of international locations. We're going to be talking about that in more detail here in just a little bit, but we normally start off the podcast with something we call our technique for time because while running a photography business is great and focusing on our art and developing that is a beautiful thing, uh, at the end of the day, we still want to be able to do more than just run a business. We want to have a life. And so I'm curious, despite your busy schedule, what seems like your busy schedule, how do you create a little bit of time for yourself, a little bit of space to have a life beyond work? Well, I what I like to do is I call it work vacation when I organize my trips. I don't like to be on the road all the time, but I choose the months where I like certain periods and I get bookings in that area. So, and I usually like to go, I don't do back to back. I do a lot of take either a couple of days beforehand to explore the location because where I'm going to shoot to study it or else stay a couple of days afterwards and then go into another. So I, when I'm in photography mode, I'm in photography mode. When I'm in like the business mode, I'm in the business mode. When I get back home to my studio. But then you get to take a break in between. And I, and I love that. And just to give context to our listeners too, what we're going to be talking about today is international elopement photography, which is a, I have to say a, a really wonderful and yet kind of unique niche. And uh, we're going to talk about that in detail in just a bit. But this travel that you're referring to, you have the opportunity to photograph these elopements internationally. And so when you go to visit one country or another, you're talking about creating space before or after that shoot to just take a little mini vacation then. Yeah, and also as an opportunity to really get to know the place, mm. especially before I shoot. So I know the lighting, I know everything. But I, 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 that's the part I really love is exploring, finding new locations. So it goes hand in hand. Yeah, there's something wonderful about travel that that not only, of course, gives us an opportunity to kind of take a break from our, quote, normal life, but then also to gain additional perspective and potentially inspiration for our artwork and uh, I love that yes. you're prioritizing time to, to enjoy those places that you're going. So thanks for sharing that with us. Tell us just something kind of random that maybe most people wouldn't know about you off the bat from looking at your website or, or watching you on social media. Well, I don't know, but uh, I had a dual citizenship. I was raised in Italy and Rome. Some people know that, some people don't. So that, I think, is what helped me. Knowing both cultures is what helped me 
naturally go into elopements. I started off as a portrait painter, but that I think is why I help mostly American couples or couples from Australia that want to elope to Italy. And knowing both cultures, both languages helps a lot. That totally makes sense. Um, And you mentioned being born in Italy. Whereabouts were you born? I was born actually in the States, but I was 11 years old. My parents moved to Italy, to Rome. And actually, my brother, my little brother was born in, in, in Rome. Okay, forgive me. Okay, I misunderstood. That, but that, that makes sense. So spent time both in the States and, and obviously in Italy. And of course, you're also photographing there. Where are you normally based or does that vary as well? Well, I lived until two years ago. Two years ago, I moved to my residency in California. Um, my mother, I have family out here. So I always did back and forth between Italy and the States. And of course, if you know Europe, Europe is so small in two hours, you can be in England, you can be in uh, Switzerland, you can right. be in France. So it's just, you have a lot of uh, travel there. So I lived in Rome until two years ago, but basically I have my base is Rome in Italy and my base is in California. So when I go to Italy, I'm based out of Rome. That's lovely. Well, I've had just a brief opportunity to spend some time in Rome and then also in Tuscany and stayed in the little town of Cortona. And oh, um, nice. oh, it was absolutely beautiful. I was there for not quite a week for a, mm-hmm. uh, a photographer friend. Actually, Kenny Kim is a photographer that we've had on the podcast previously him. as well. I know. Kenny? Yeah, Kenny's such a great guy, but I was there for his for his wedding and we had the opportunity to enjoy right. the the area when we were there. It was it was so absolutely lovely, but um that that's if, if for those of you listening and if you've never had the opportunity to visit Italy, certainly do. Uh Rochelle, you were talking about the the ease of access to those other countries there in Europe. That's something I've not really had the opportunity to take advantage of yet and I look forward to that hopefully in the near future. But let's let's switch gears a little bit. Talk to us a little bit about the most impactful book that you've read, maybe even as of late, whether that's a business book or a self-help book or otherwise. Well, what I call my uh, artistic Bible is uh, it's called, you've probably, I'm sure everybody's heard about it. It's The Artist's Way by Julia Cameron. Yes. And uh, I often, I go to it when I'm blocked or I'm about to create another uh, project and I'm just trying to get my there's a lot of drills and meditation and writing so I, I kind of figure out what I want to do so it helps me unblock interesting and, and I was going to actually ask you what was most or what is most inf- impactful about that book but you were talking specifically about the drills or exercises that are in that book Yes, I love to journal. I journal a lot. And actually, since I read her first book, when it first came out, those three pages, the brain drain, where you wake up in the morning and you just write continuous writing, or you're thinking of something and you to develop. I like to think on paper first. I, I like that. Do you? And you said think on paper. So I'm assuming that you are, are physically writing on paper versus typing in a journal? Yes, yes. I have a notebook. It's hand. I, I like to write by pen and doodle or whatever. And then I just, yeah, not by computer. That That's lovely. No, I, I'm a little bit envious of that. Honestly, I would like to write more, but I have absolutely terrible handwriting. And then when I get really into whatever it is that I'm writing, I, I tighten up so much that my hand will almost kind of start to cramp. And so I, I have a tendency of if I'm going to write or journal, which is something honestly that I, I would actually like to start doing more often. It's almost a form of meditation, I think, and that it enables right. you to be able to kind of outwardly process. But I enjoy the, the process of typing because I can, I can almost write as fast as, as I think. 
and uh, makes okay. it easier for me. But I, I like the tangible process of opening a journal and writing down. In fact, I've already been taking notes as you're talking here in, in a, a little mini kind of a blank journal with pen. And I, there is something about that tangible experience of writing and even doodling, as you said, that can help you process. Yes, it does. You you can't. The trick, I think, is not to go not to look at details like what your handwriting is about. I never reread or some things I reread, but a lot of the brain drain, I just have a fluid I kind of enter some sort of meditative state and I just write in my head. And then I elaborate on certain things, but not. But you can't be worried about spelling or that type of stuff. If not, you get blocked. Yeah, it reminds me of those um, exercises that we had in class in, in grade school where the teacher would just try it. I don't remember the, the phrase or technical term that they used, but they talked about this kind of freeform writing, where, as you said, you don't worry about the spelling. It's just basically a mind dump or a brain dump. And um, yes. what, what would you say? I mean, I know that you you seem to allude to the fact that this you find benefit in this process with your artwork. But can you be more specific about that when you when you're actually taking the time to write out your thoughts? How do you see that that yeah. then translates to benefit in your personal life or in your photography? Well, things that are I start in the day, actually, by what I want to accomplish. I can go overall. I go to details if I'm working, like, let's say I'm doing a book, uh, I will have my own journal for that. And I just go and brainstorm and I, I plan out all the things I got to do with it. It's just, it's all collected. And I just write a lot of what I'm trying to say. I do like the 50 list thing, like, okay, what am I trying to say with this chapter here? And I write 50 ideas. And sometimes I will find a heading or I, I just basically communicating with myself, my inner self. Yeah, I know. I like that. And you mentioned doing that at the beginning of the day, kind of to, to, to start the day. One of the things that I've found, though, is that I have a lot more going on in my head that maybe needs to kind of be cleared out or reset or organized later in the day versus early in the day when I wake up and my brain almost kind of feels clear. Do you, what's your experience with that? Do you tend to wake up with a lot more on your mind? I do. I like to I go, my process, actually, my morning routine is I meditate a little bit. Yes. I journal. And then I will go into yoga. Wow. So it's a lot of meditation. Yes. That's beautiful. Of, yeah. And it, I really like, because I like to, you know, as traveling, it can, there's a lot of anxiety and I just like to keep everything calm and mm. mellow. And that's my formula to, to get it all out there. That totally makes sense. You know, yoga has been something that it's come up on the podcast in the past, and I've probably said this before. It's something that I'm really interested in trying, and I guess I just haven't prioritized it enough to make the time to go take a class. But I'm I'm so very curious about it. I thoroughly enjoy meditation, um, and, and and more specifically, sitting down for anywhere from ten to twenty minutes or so at a time, closing my eyes and and meditating. And I've talked a little bit about that before. Journaling is something that I want to more actively get into moving forward, but. Yoga practice, do you have, I know this wasn't the plan for, for our conversation, but do you have a suggestion or two for those, especially who haven't really experienced with yoga as to how they might begin that process or get started with it? Sure. I, I actually started about five years ago. I took some classes. I had a really bad back. As you know, as a photographer, especially traveling, you're carrying all the equipment. Right. It could really mess up your back. So I was having back issues and I couldn't sit on the train. I had to always have uh, either something helped me with my back and at the end of the whatever the elopement or the I, I would be in pain so I when I came to California one summer I had this teacher I took a couple of courses and then I learned the movements it's more like between a yoga and a stretching it's a meditation and she was very good then I got an app 
and I downloaded the app. It's called yoga, I think.com. There are a lot of them also, gaia.com. And everywhere I go, I have a yoga mat. I bring it with me. And as soon as I get somewhere, I pull that yoga mat out and I do my yoga either before I to enter a meditative state before my shoot and then also afterwards to just relax. So it's part of my daily routine. I love that. And there's something too about the consistency and, and a process like that that I'm sure is significantly beneficial. But we'll make sure yeah. to, to uh, try to find those apps and link to them in the show notes. And by the way, for those of you listening in, I know I've been stressing this more lately, but if you go to Boca, B-O-K-E-H, podcast.com, Haley, who helps produce the podcast, is creating very detailed show notes there at bocapodcast.com. So various websites or resources or books or or even some of the highlights from the conversation are being listed in detail there. Make sure to check those out. It's a really, really wonderful resource. Yet again, kind of moving in a different direction, Rochelle, um, how long have you been in business as a photographer? You mentioned starting in painting. So I'm curious to hear kind of the backstory uh, about how you got started and yeah. then ultimately how long you've been in business so far. So I, um, I've always been an artist. I always like to draw a piano. I did 12 years of classical piano. And I was actually beginning to decide between uh, music and arts. So I went to the Corpus School of Art. I got my BFA there and I did my Master's of Fine Arts in from um, Florence Academy and also Temple University in Rome. So it's very sort of international. I said a lot of places. And then I started off as a portrait painter, but I was... It took me like two years to do a painting. I did the old Finnish way with layers upon layer, like the glass effect. Kind wow. of what, yeah. So it took forever. And I was doing, even I did like the American ambassadors of Rome, their, their family there. And I did also the Fendi family. But it was, it was, took forever to take a painting and I was stuck in the studio. And um, at a certain point, I was doing a lot of families. And to get, the kids wouldn't sit down. So I would take their pictures and the pictures are really cute. So parents started buying the pictures. So it started that way. And um, also, when I got my BFA, we studied photography. We studied all, you know, sculpture, photography, uh, painting, life drawing, color and design. And we made our own cameras, the dark room. So anyway, people, then one day, a diplomat came up to me and asked me if I could photograph his wedding. And mm. in the beginning, I was kind of surprised. Said, Gosh, you know, here I'm a painter. What's he asking me to photograph his, you know, I wouldn't say I was offended, but, you know, going from a painter, a fine artist to a wedding. But anyway, I tried it and I loved it. I loved the raw motion of it. I loved being outside because I was stuck in the studio all the time. And then it just started going, uh, started getting commissions like in Venice and in Florence, because, you know, in Rome, I mean, there it's like one hour away or two hours away. And that's how I started. Wow. So I'm curious about a couple of things. First of all, do you still play the piano occasionally just as a, a form of, I guess, an additional artistic practice? No, I don't. I would like to, but I, it takes so much time mm. that I'm afraid I just get lost. So I can't. Not yet. One day. One day. Well, I, there, there's something so relaxing. I, I grew up playing piano, not ever very seriously. I ultimately focused more of my time in classical clarinet, but I, I spent some time playing piano and um, had a little bit of training there. And there's something about sitting down to a piano and just um, coming up with something in the moment and, and feeling yeah. that in the quiet, I think is so extremely relaxing. What about your painting? Is that something that you still practice? 
Uh, I dwindled with it a little bit and I'm sure going to go back to it. Uh, maybe another time when I'm tired of when I decide to grow up and I sit down, <laughs> but I love, <laughs> I love to paint, but also there I can get really lost for hours and end in a studio. So, um, not yet. I did try stuff this year. I did go back a little bit and made a couple of paintings. Did you? Well, I can, I can, I'm, I'm so curious after the way that you described the style of painting. Uh, I, I was actually on your Instagram account as you were talking. And by the way, I have to say props to you for maybe the most highlight categories, if you will, that you've, that I've ever seen on an Instagram account. It's quite organized and very detailed. And I was curious if maybe you had some of your art posted there, but, uh, would love to see some of that sometime if, if you ever posted online. Yeah. Okay. I kind of try to keep it separated. So it's not really, that's just, just photography. Totally, totally understand. Yeah. Well, speaking of photography then, so you, you talked about your start. How did you ultimately land on elopement photography? And again, we're going to get into the, to your process in more detail here in just a little bit, but how did you land on elopement photography specifically? And ultimately what is your brand position as a wedding photographer? So uh, I started off as a portrait. I love quaint moments. I don't, I'm not a person. I don't like large groups. I don't like large parties. And that's why I like portraits because I like to get one-on-one with somebody very intimate and get to know them mm-hmm. as a character. I like, and that's sort of, so this, from portraits to elopements is a natural. I also do, still do a, a portraits. I also do anniversaries. I do vow renewals, anything quaint. I just don't like large, large parties. It's a different type of photography. I like to connect with whoever I photograph. I like to know them. I like to know their story. I go through a whole process. I ask them, I send them a questionnaire. I meet them. I meet them the day before. And I help them sort of design the whole. whole. So it's not just, I don't just show up and take their photos. Right. Yeah, there is something about, you know, in fact, one of the most incredible experiences that I ever had as a wedding photographer was uh, photographing a couple. And I think I've spoken about this in the podcast before, but I had the opportunity to photograph an elopement literally just a couple, no family, no friends. They they decided to kind of get out of out of Dodge and avoid family drama. And um, <laughs> they, they went to St. Lucia. And so it was just myself and my business partner at the time. And, and we were photographing this couple in St. Lucia for the weekend. And when you talk about that intimate experience of just working, you know, one on two or two on two, whatever the case may be, um, that is such a unique experience in contrast to, as you were describing, those large groups of people with a wedding that you know may have three, four hundred people and a large wedding party of 15 or 20 or maybe even more. Um, the, the opportunity to be able to connect relationally and then ultimately photographically with a couple in that intimate environment is just absolutely startling and, and incredible. And, and of course, if you have the opportunity to do it in a beautiful environment, all the better. Right. Yeah. That it's like you said, it's the connection that you have. In fact, these couples, I mean, they're friends for life then. I mean, I, I photographed their kids. I've done this year. I did like a couple of five year anniversaries that I did their um, wedding. And, and then, so you really get to know them well, which I like. I like to know that get to the niche of everybody. Well, and of course, that naturally will translate to the photographs, the quality of the photographs as well, the type of photographs. How do you, and, and, and this is almost um, an obvious question because I'm, again, I'm on your website. I'm also on your Instagram page here as we're talking and you very, very clearly and concisely communicate what your brand position is about. But besides, I guess, maybe your Instagram account where you say destination wedding photographer for one or less couples on your website specifically says destination wedding photography for one or less couples. You're consistent there. It's a very clear, very concise brand position. Um, Beyond that, how do you potentially communicate that brand position and ultimately market 
your services to a potential client? Well, I stress a lot about, I'd say my keywords would be, like you said, you know, destination photography, wanderlust travel, travel and culture, art, film photography, destination. So I show a lot of back-end images where I'm, when I'm working, when I'm traveling uh, to give ideas. So it's a lot to do with the environment, you know, travel of couples and showcasing and and it's certainly consistent on, on your website and, again, your Instagram account. And for those of you who are listening, maybe missed it earlier, Rochelle Cheever, R-O-C-H-E-L-L-E-C-H-W-E-V-E-R, RochelleCheever.com. And the same thing on Instagram. You're going to want to check this out because just beautiful, beautiful work. And I'm, I'm so envious of these locations that you've gotten to photograph at. It's translating beautifully. You're capturing it beautifully. And speaking of... I, as you're traveling so much, what does your gear bag look like? And do you are you a bit of a minimalist, or do you just travel with a lot of gear? And do you have a favorite piece of equipment that you use? Well, I have to because a lot of the places I go to, they're sort of unplugged. There are not many stores. I can go up to Malfi Coast. I might be up in Ravello, or I might be in Santorini. I can't find batteries, and so I have to have backups of, of everything. So my two carry-ons, which as much as I can do, have a backup of each. I have my main cameras are the Contex 645, the film camera with the 80 lens. That's my baby. Oh, I love and it. Then, yeah. And then I, ha- I have a double of that too, in case something happens. The Contex are very, a lot of stuff happens to it. very moody. And then I have the Nikon D800s as a backup or, and also very good for evening. Um, and basically I like the 58 millimeters, a lot of film and the light meter. Oh, and it sounds like a pretty simple setup. It is. I, I like to keep, okay, that's my another philosophy between my couple. I'm there alone with them, all right? I could mm. have, if I need to, I might have somebody help me, but I really, the minimum, because I, the camera already affects somebody when you're, you're taking their picture. They get, it, it has some sort of, so I, I try to keep it as simple as possible. Yes. So they're not, they don't really realize I'm photographing them. I don't want it to be all about that. I want it to be more about connect. That's why I like film. I'm connecting with you. I'm talking to you. I'm listening to you. I'm watching you walk. And in between point A or B, I'm, that's when I'm photographing. You don't know it. But I like to keep everything, gear and the whole equipment, down to a bare minimum. Just to not to be invasive and to not be all about the photography. Well, and, and distracted is another word that comes to mind because it, you make an interesting point. When you're shooting with film, you don't have that, that screen constantly turning on that you're distracted by and you want to look at the right. image. You can focus on being present with the client and photographing them. Uh, you mentioned this very simple setup and the focus on that. What do you do for lighting uh, with that in mind? Well, I, I, a lot of my clients, I, I help them design their development. So with that, usually if you have a destination elopement, it's all about the day, the backdrops of Santorini or of Rome, the Colosseum. So I try to incorporate the culture wherever they are. So it's basically a daylight, natural light lighting. Hmm. If it is evening, I mean, I have very good lenses. You know, I've even photographed in St. Peter's Basilica where you cannot have flash. So I have very bright uh, lenses like 1.4. So, and I just set it up. If uh, I'm allergic to flash, (laughs) so. I do everything so I can't use flash, but I, I can do it. Just one point, I have very good lens. That's uh, that's really, really interesting. But I guess that, that maybe I should have even thought of this. It seems like an obvious point that these destination 
weddings, they are there for the location. They want to see the location. And so naturally right. be shooting much of those in, in daylight. That totally makes sense. And this is a great segue, though, to kind of our focus for conversation today. And that is specifically destination elopement weddings. And I'm, I'm curious, first of all, I mean, first of all, actually, I have to give you props for a very clear and concise brand position, because this is not something that a lot of photographers can speak to, where they can sum up what their brand is about, what their business is about, uh, very clearly, very concisely, with lack of kind of an arbitrary uh, text, if you will, or subtext, that what their brand represents. And you've had the opportunity now to, to shoot for years and to photograph these elopements. I'm curious what locations, you've alluded to a few already, what all are the locations that you've had the opportunity to photograph these? Oh, gosh. Well, being in Europe, that was very lucky. So I've been all around Greece. Uh, Santorini is a very impressive uh, place. France, Paris, Provence, Switzerland, Lausanne. And now that I'm out here in California, I'm in love with California, the whole Southwest. That's my next project. The next mm. few years is cover all that whole area up there. I'm going to be in Sedona, for instance, at Christmas time. So I'm excited about that. A big Sur. I've been to Massachusetts, Cape Ann, uh, Mexico, uh, Kauai. So basically I have my seasons. Okay. In f- spring and fall, I like to be in Europe. Okay. I hate Europe in the summer. It's just <laughs> And it's too touristy. Yeah. And then, so the winter, and I come back here. I just got back a few days ago from Lake Como, from Europe. And now my I'm going to be going a couple of weeks to Mexico. And then this whole season out here, I'll go Mexico, California, Kauai, where there's sun, of course. And then spring comes again, I go back to Europe. Wow. Wow. Now, I'm curious, actually. I was thinking as you were talking about California and how much you love California, I know that I, so I, I photographed most of my wedding career within the state of Tennessee, more specifically the Chattanooga area. And honestly, the light here, with the exception of course, that sweet spot during the day, the sunset or the sunrise, the light here just wasn't very great. And I had the opportunity years ago to a photography workshop in California, uh, in Orange County area. And um, we were doing a midday shoot on the beach. It was about three o'clock in the afternoon, a bride on the beach, and of course, a white wedding dress. And we were shooting with a Nikon D1X at the time, a terrible, terrible dynamic range. And I stuck that thing in aperture priority and it was nailing the exposure every single time. And so this, this, um, I guess a hunch that I had about the quality of light in California was verified even electronically and that this camera was reading the exposure dead on every time. It's just a beautiful, beautiful light. And of course, a minimal amount of humidity too, at least in, in most cases. And so you can enjoy the weather and shoot outside so much more. But do you see a comparable quality of light in Italy, for example? Yes, Italy has, especially, well, Rome is what I call Rome is home. That's the place I know best in yeah. the whole world. But you have these beautiful terracottas. All the buildings are painted with natural earths, right? So you have burnt sienna, you have ochres, you have all these natural earths. And they reflect back to wherever you're photographing. And the colors are spectacular. So And Santorini is the same thing. You have that beautiful white and the blue. It's a very high, like you say, high contrasty. But if you get that right, it's stunning because it has a blue that is unique. California has a a special light is that there's a glass effect in the morning or the evening and that's whole uh, reflection from the sand. So yes, California light. I love it. 
No, I'm I'm so jealous. Uh, but but again, your your attention and your to the detail of light, your awareness of light is, is certainly obvious in your work. And again, I would encourage our listeners to go take a look at that. We'll link to your website and Instagram in the show notes at bocapodcast.com as well. You, you talked about this a little bit already. I'm curious, maybe you, I'm curious if you might expound on it a little bit. Um, your passion for specifically destination elopement photography. I know that you said you prefer a smaller number of people to be photographing to focus on that relationship? Are there, are there any other reasons that have encouraged you to focus on this particular niche? Well, I love travel. I come from a family that my mother was, she loved to travel and she always took me around when I was a kid, you know, the Malfi coast, uh, skiing in the Alps. Uh, we, we were avid travelers so I guess I got that when I was about nine years old. I think the, my first trip solo was when I went to a camp. I used to horseback ride. So I go horseback riding in Surrey in England. Wow. So I've just been, I'm a solo traveler. I love to explore the world. It's just my, you know, finding meaning for everything. I love, love new cultures. I love different cultures. That's why I love Mexico. It's such a strong culture, their mm. food, their culture. Very similar to Italy, but in a different way. Not like anything with a very strong culture. And that's really interesting that you say that. I've had the opportunity to spend some time in India, and that's a culture that really resonates with me. I think partially because it's very similar to Japan, and I, I spent years of my life uh, as a child in Japan. Nice. Uh, but a very, very rich culture, very strong culture. So I, I think I know what you mean by that, but uh, I can totally understand the appeal. I mean, and, and who wouldn't want to experience all of these cultures and simultaneously get to photograph in beautiful locations? I think it's absolutely wonderful, and I love your specific focus on the relationship with just a couple. I think it's it's beautiful. On your website, there's an interesting quote, and, and I just want to read this um, because I think it lends context to the conversation, but you say, I like to think of myself as a creative designer and photographer. I study each couple's story and direct them. I've helped many couples elope. And what's interesting to me about this is that the focus isn't solely on photography. You're talking about helping create an experience for the couple and, you know, I mean, many photographers kind of have their hands full and even get stressed out at just the simple idea of photographing a local church wedding. You're, you're mm-hmm. just taking the experience way, way, way beyond that. I, I'm curious how you manage to, to play both the role of a kind of like a planner almost and a photographer. How do you, how do you balance those things? It's different. I don't like to call myself a planner because I think a wedding planner is a whole different thing. I like to, as a designer, Okay. meaning where I will refer the couple to a wedding planner. You know, we need the team. I like to get, I have the end product in mind. I hear what, I hear the story, listen to what they want, where they would like at the time of year. And then I will give suggestions of uh, this venue here. I think be a good fit because every couple is different. Every couple is unique. So you have to really listen to the story. I just could not just show up on, it's just, I have to know where I'm photographing. I can't just show up as one day and go photograph. For me, that's, I don't know, in Italian you call it chapel. It has no meaning. It's superficial. Mm. I like to really know who I'm photographing. So I help them with their dress. So let's get the Pinterest going. And then they'll come to me, you know, they see my images and they say, okay, do you suggest, who do you suggest for a makeup artist? I, I kind of study what they want. And I say, okay, I think this one or this one, I give them the option and they contact them. So I help them design their day, you know, whatever they need. Cause I've made so many contacts throughout the years that I kind of create, help them create a team in the venue. It just gives it so much more meaning to the couple. You really get to know them uh, 
and you enter their story and you can portray them better that way. Well, and, and this follows a line of conversation that has been a bit of a theme on the podcast as of late, which is that the experience that we're providing for our clients these days, in order to set our, truly set ourselves apart from the, you know, the, the thousands of photographers that have popped up in recent years, you have to go beyond the photography. There's so many people that can take a decent image. And uh, of course, that's ultimately subjective as well. But if, if we're simply running a business based on our photography, I think we're going to potentially uh, fall short of our, well, of our potential as a business. We have to create a complete experience. Now that's going to look different for different business models, but it's very interesting to me that, that you're using this word design. You're helping design an experience for this couple that first of all, helps them enjoy the whole process that much more, but it also translates to much better images. And of course, you're able to lend your your experience to that conversation. So I'm curious if you can break down the key elements of the elopement experience that you're walking your clients through. You, you began to allude to them a little bit, but talk to us a little bit about how you walk them through setting up that, that best experience for this elopement. But usually the process is usually they, they will see uh, an image of mine in a magazine or on the you know social media sure or Google they'll contact they'll reach out to me you know I, I like your photography blah 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 let's so I immediately I go I never send my information directly to them I want to know who the couple also see if we're a good fit you know I can't take I've limited my bookings so I take on a selective amount I don't obviously I can't do everybody and. So I walk them through, I listen to them, I listen to their story, and I get a feel for it. If I'm available, then I'll send them, we'll get the whole, uh, the you know, the questionnaire going and the agreement. And then I walk them through, I said, okay, well, the first process, we got to get, you know, your venue. If you're doing a destination, obviously, number one thing is the venue. Where are we going to do it? What, what place has meaning to you? Where did you guys have, no, where did you he propose? Where did you meet? What do you guys like to do as a couple? Do you like, want something water? Do you like culture? Do you like to travel? Do you like wine you know vino time food i don't know whatever it is and i sort of direct them where i think the couple of my favorite venues and then with that i help them uh choose a team if they need a wedding planner because they want to have a civil or religious wedding then they're definitely going to need a, a local wedding planner and i will help them with that and if they want i'm very picky on makeup artists and i'm very picky on uh color and design so i will guide them to this you know show them uh given the context referrals to high, who I think will work well with them. <laughs> well, there's so many different uh, or there are multiple <laughs> elements here to this conversation and I'm, I'm kind of frantically taking notes. And so I've, I've, I've got maybe a few follow-up questions for you. Uh, first of, no, 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 you're totally fine. So I'm, I'm curious though, when, when it comes to this idea of getting to know them, you, you emphasize the fact that you're not just simply going to, or at least the way that I understood it is you're not just simply going to take an email saying, Hey, I want to book you and, and yeah. go ahead and book them. You want to have a conversation with them. So are you, are, I, I know that these are destination weddings, so maybe you're not meeting with them in person. Are you jumping on Skype or on the phone? And what does that conversation look like so that you can get a better feel for who they are? Uh, Skype, Zoom, or FaceTime. Or, or even just a simple call. I'll get to know one, you know, when you meet somebody, you just want to get to know them. What, where, where'd you get engaged? Uh, what do you have in mind? And just see what, what they want and see how you can help them. And see, of course, see if the date is available. I, I, I don't take, there's certain places I don't take bookings. There's certain places I don't like the time of year. Like I don't like uh, Europe in the summer. It's just, you know, so it's, it's, I just kind of match up with what they want. 
Sure, that makes yeah. sense. And then, and then having clients like this who were potentially remote, you talked about booking. Do you have a, uh, a CRM in particular that you like to use for that process of booking, managing contracts, and all the details associated with a client? Uh, not really. I maybe I should look into it. I basically right, my system right now is I send them an agreement and it's uh, they just sign it. They send it back to me, and uh, we take it from there. But no, I don't have any of that. I have, well, I have ConvertKit, but that's different. Sure, for for email marketing, yeah, sure. Email marketing, yeah, but not not for. I don't have the, that. I do it all manually. Oh, that that that's, it kind of lines up though too with some of the, with the uh, the film experience, right? Slightly old school, right. a little bit more of a manual process, yes. but exactly. you're probably not working with a large volume of clients uh, either, exactly. and so this enables you to to hone in on each individual experience maybe yes. a little bit more. Um, you talked about discussing the the destination with them. I, I'm well, I'm making a lot of assumptions here, but uh, maybe you can clarify: Are they have they picked a, a country and they just need to hone in on a particular city in that country or have they picked a city and then they need to know in that city where they should be going for the actual venue? What, what, how specific are they getting or how specific an idea do they have in mind before they talk to you? Depends. Sometimes they have a, I want the Coast, I want Positano or I want California or I want Mexico. Sometimes, uh, Sometimes they change along the way. You know, maybe they started with the Malfi Coast. I'll show them a couple of venues where I think would be very nice or some places. I'll tell them the good points about it and see if, and, you know, the pros and the cons. And it, I wouldn't say there's an absolute. A lot of them come with a general idea where they want. Like, I would like Italy. I would like Rome or I would like California. And then I go from there. But not, not it's different. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure it can vary from from client to client. You also mentioned to uh, the significance of color, and you've got a very clean kind of light feel to your imagery. I'm, I'm scanning through your Instagram account currently, and I'm sure a lot of that comes from just shooting in film. And, yeah. and this is kind of a side note, really. But is there a particular film stock that you really enjoy for your color film, your outdoor color film? I like Portrait 400. That's yes. my goal. Yeah, it's the nicest. I used to like Fuji, but it's very hard to get that overseas, and it costs a lot more, and it's very finicky, uh, light. So Portra is just more reliable. I, well, and I was I, when I was shooting weddings and shooting film, I, I also used Portra. I love Portra. In fact, I think I still have some medium format Portra in my closet right now. So definitely a fan. But um, when it comes to this idea of color design, can you talk just a little bit more about what that process looks like? How are you? making the connection between color and then the particular destination and then ultimately lining that, that client up with the, the right makeup artist or otherwise. Okay. So let's say they're going to do, they choose Rome. Obviously Rome is an elegant city. It's a metropolitan city. It has its own color scheme. You would not be going around in shorts, correct? <laughs> right. Right. Okay. Whereas the same thing in California, uh, it's a beach setting. You're not going to be going out there with a tuxedo. Right. Right. Okay. So you kind of get a look at the, the, the couple also. Some couples are very stylish. I tend to have pretty stylish couples and they decide where it is. And then from there, I like to co- color coordinate. Like Santorini is going to have a lot of blues. It's going to have a lot of pastel colors. Hmm. Rome looks horrible, a white gown. It just does not fit. Nothing is white in Rome. Interesting. It's all, it's all like burnt sienna, their natural earth color. So you yeah. want something organically. Red also can look nice in Rome. You know, it's different. Like also blue can look nice in Santorini. So it's different colors. It also depends on the coloring of the bride or the couple. 
So a lot of a lot of goes into thing. I kind of balance it out, but I first go for the backdrop setting. That's really interesting, and I don't think I've ever heard a photographer talk about this specifically. I mean, you usually hear of a, a particular color theme for a wedding when a bride's maybe working with a planner and they're coming up with a theme for the wedding, and there are certain colors. Um, that ultimately help determine what the color the bridesmaid dresses are, for example, and what color the flowers are. Uh, but the idea of working, first of all, with just a couple and then specifically giving them guidance based particularly on the location, I think is a it's a beautiful idea, too. I mean, considering the, the, the tendency in color, as you said, toward burnt sienna in Rome, making recommendations to what they're wearing based on that is that's fascinating. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> well, is this something that, that you've always done or did, as you were shooting, you just, you realized the significance of it and started then um, rec- making these recommendations to your clients? Yes. I, I also seen what doesn't work. Mm. You know, okay. I, I got a couple of uh, dresses that did not work, like doesn't work. So just through, I guess, through trial and error. And I guess it's my own colors. I like I tend to be minimalist. You're going to blend with the backdrop. You're going to blend with the culture. We're going to integrate that. So let's not be too detached from it. Let's be part of it. You're not a tourist. You're traveling to a place. You're loping at a place. You're not, uh, you don't want to stick out like a sore thumb. That totally makes sense. Well, and actually a beautiful example of this, uh, again, I'm on your Instagram account, but I'm looking at a post back from May 14th, actually. It's a portrait of a guy named Dante. And he's there in Santorini, and he's got this light blue T-shirt uh, with lighter color pants, maybe white pants, and it just blends beautifully with the background, and it makes the portrait that much more impactful. So for those of you listening in, again, make sure you check out uh, Rochelle's Instagram account, and you can you can get a feel for what she's talking about here with this color design. Now, I, I know that we've touched on a, a very loaded topic, a very big topic that we could probably spend multiple episodes on, but... Ultimately, Rochelle, you've been working on a book around this topic. Will you share about that book with our listeners? Sure. It's called The Elopement Experience. It's my second book. My first book, Italy, Romantic Journey, which got published last year, has already won two awards, the International Photography Award and International Book Award. So I have a lot of hope for this new book. Wow. And, and it's all about... The elopement experience is my 10 year of experience doing all this of how it's all got to do with how, when, where, how to create a magical elopement, destination elopement. And these were just questions I've been answering throughout the years, all the resources that I've had. It has 10 case studies in there. So couples can identify with it. And that's how I, everything's in there. Wow. Well, as I said, this is such a loaded topic. So to have access to a resource like that with so much more detail will be lovely, not to mention, I'm sure, what will be absolutely stunning photographs. Um, this yep. book is, is you're going to be releasing this book, is it later this year or first part of next year? No, it's going to be in January. In January. Right. Perfect. Yeah. So right. what we'll, we'll make sure, of course, to link to, I know that you've got a, a page there on your website where our listeners can sign up to, to be notified when that book is coming out or information about the book called The Elopement Experience. But we'll make sure to link to those in our show notes, uh, as well as, of course, to your, uh, to your original book, Italy, A Romantic Journey. We'll make sure to link to that in the show notes as well. But I really appreciate you making time to share your perspective today. It's certainly a unique one, Rochelle, and uh, I just appreciate you so much making time, creating time and space to, to share with the Boca Podcast listeners. I really appreciate you having me on here. <laughs>
For sure, for sure. And will you just reiterate, I know we've mentioned it a couple of times, but it, it bears repeating um, where our listeners can find you online, both your website and then on social media as well. Yeah, so I have, I actually have two sites. One is RochelleCheever.com and my new one is Rochelle Cheever Prints because I have travel prints I started. And then Facebook, I have A Romantic Journey, uh, Instagram, Rochelle Cheever. I do Pinterest, Rochelle Cheever. I don't do Twitter too much. Fair enough. Fair enough. Well, I think that the focus is on the visual and certainly Instagram and yes. Pinterest are that. So that's that's wonderful. Thanks again, Rochelle. This has been wonderful. And uh, for those of you listening in, make sure that you go to Boca, B-O-K-E-H podcast.com. Check out the show notes for this episode. Make sure you also visit Rochelle's uh, social media and website. But uh, thank you again, Rochelle, for making time for us. Thank you so much. Thanks so much for listening to the Boca podcast today. Will you let us know what you think by leaving a review of the podcast in iTunes or maybe in the Apple podcast app? And I'd love to hear from you personally with your thoughts about the podcast, maybe suggestions about future topics and guests for the show. My direct email is nathan at photographersedit.com. The Boca podcast is brought to you by Photographers Edit, custom image editing for the wedding and portrait photographer. Just visit photographersedit.com. Come.